Amen. Please remain standing and take the pages of the scripture in your hand. I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 6, 6 verse 15 to 24. I hope by now you realize that uh, by God's grace, we're going to finish the book of Isaiah tonight. I think it took us uh, about two years since we started going through uh, the book of Isaiah. And the Lord has been so good uh, to us to go through this marvelous book, the book of Isaiah. It is also called uh, the mini gospel because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ in the book of Isaiah. The Lord willing, uh, my next book will be the book of Exodus. Uh, I plan to start preaching through the book of Exodus uh, probably after one more Sunday. Uh, next Sunday I will do another topic and then we'll start looking at the book of Exodus. But for now, chapter 6, 6, uh, 15 to 24. This is the word of God. For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like whirlwind to render his angry in anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment and by his sword with, with all flesh and those slain by the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one in the midst eating pig's flesh and abomination and mice shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. For I know their works and their thoughts and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and shall see my glory. And I will set a sign among them and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Paul, and Led, who drove the boat to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands far away, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in leaders and on mules and on dromedars to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring their grain, their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, from the Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. 
And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die. Their fire shall not be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we now come to the preaching and exposition of your word, Lord, once again we ask you to illumine our hearts and our minds to the understanding of your word. Through the preaching of your word, we ask you to bring heaven down to us to understand the the message of the prophet Isaiah tonight and apply what we will hear from your word tonight in our own life and even share it with others. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, we have been going through the book of Isaiah for a long time. And this will be my last sermon from this book. And I don't know how many of you have been noticing that, but in the book of Isaiah, especially in the last three chapters, there are two themes that goes side by side beside each other. A theme of judgment and hope. In the last three chapters in the book of Isaiah, you will see these two subject matters, judgment and hope, always go together. The prophet Isaiah always shocks his readers, Jews, readers and hearers, by saying there is hope even for those who are outside of Israel. You know, for for any Jew, for any Israelite, to hear that from the prophet of God is indeed shocking. There is hope for anyone outside of Israel. That message really troubled the Israelites. But Isaiah always stands before them and he reminds them that there will be salvation, forgiveness, and hope for those who are outside of Israel. And also, when Isaiah says that there will be judgment even for some who were in Israel, another Shocking message. Israelites to be judged by God? Are we not his people? Are we not the chosen people of God? Yet Isaiah tells them, no. There are people among you, the people of Israel, who will be judged by God, who will face the eternal judgment of God. You see, like all the writers of the old, And the New Testament, Isaiah reminds us that salvation is by faith and by by grace and through faith 
in Jesus Christ alone. And that truth continues to be proclaimed till the end of the book of Isaiah. In our text tonight, we see the fact, the truth, that there are two kinds of people in our world today. Biblically speaking, there are believers and unbelievers. Wherever you go, wherever you are, there are always two types of people. You have got believers and unbelievers. Those who will see God's glory in joy in heaven and in eternity. Or those who will see God's glory with despair in the fires of hell forever. That's what we see in the conclusion of this marvelous book. Two kinds of people. One group of people for hope and the other group of these people for judgment. In his last words, Isaiah reminds us of these two types of people. Remember this, brothers and sisters in Christ. They all will see the coming of the Lord. Believers and unbelievers. They all will see the coming of the Messiah. They all will see his glory. But their destiny will be different. This, the end of the book of Isaiah speaks to us about two eternal destinies for two kinds of people. One is eternal life and inheritance in Christ Jesus in the presence of God forever. And then you have eternal condemnation in the presence of the devil and forever. In his last words, Isaiah reminds us of these two types of people and the two eternal destinies. And the theme is tonight, hope for those who trust in the Lord and judgment for those who do not believe in the Messiah. And I want us to consider this First, under God's um, coming judgment, you will see that in verses 1 and 2. And then God's, uh, uh, sorry, um, in, in verses uh, 15 and 16. And then God's omniscience over all people, starting from verse 18. And then the promise for the righteous, for the remnant. So first I want us to consider God's coming judgment. God coming in judgment. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like whirlwind, to render his anger in fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh, and those slain by the Lord shall be many. These words are words of judgment. 
These words are words of anger and fury. Whose anger? Whose fury? God's anger. God's judgment. God's fury. God will come in His judgment. And He will come, how? In fire. I'm sure today most people who would read Isaiah 65 verse 15 would say to you, I don't think so. God is the God of love. God would never come in fire. God would never come with a sword to slay many. Isn't the God of the Bible the God of love? You will even hear people saying, oh, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. What are you talking about? Fire? The God of the Bible? He's the God of love. He is love and he loves all people and uh, all people will, will, will be welcomed uh, into heaven. By the way, this is called uh, universalism. The belief that all humankind will eventually end up in heaven. Today's culture and people talk a lot about love. You always hear that. In fact, we are in the month of February and they, they call it, uh, you know, the month of love. Even if a man marries another man, a woman marries another woman, it's love. It's February. It's, it's the month of love. And God is love. That's where we are today. That's where many, many people are. And when the more they think about that, the more they reject Isaiah 66, 6, 15 and 16. No, that's impossible. That's not the God of the Bible, they say. Self-love, loving others, including same-sex. Brothers and sisters in Christ, yes, God is love. It is in the Bible. God is love. But we also have this verse in the Bible. In Hebrews 10.31, the writer of the Hebrews says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. So you have these two verses in the Bible. God is love. And then it is a fearful thing to fall in the hand of the living God. What does that show you? You see, if we say God is love to the exclusivity of the other characters of God, especially God being holy, then that's very dangerous, you see. Psalm 7:11 God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Yes, God is a loving God, but he is also a God of wrath toward sin and sinners. It is a mistake to think and say God hates sin but loves sinners. Why is that? Why is that a mistake? Because if sinners don't repent, God will send them to hell. People who will end up in heaven 
will be people who will repent of their sin. People will believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and people who will repent of their sin. The prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 80.20 says, The soul that sins it shall, be, it shall die. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. So how do we reconcile these two things? We come to Isaiah, to our text tonight. And we see this holy God who hates sin, judging the world, entering into judgment, with, with fire. Now notice verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Beloved, wrath is terrible. When anyone, gets, when anyone gets wrath from another person, it can be destructive. Here God is bringing his rebuke and wrath. Now I want you to understand this, beloved. For believers, God rebukes and corrects. And he does that with the scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed, Paul said, breathed out by God and Profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction. That's rebuke. We come to the word of God. God uses his word to correct his children, to rebuke his children. For, for correction and for training in righteousness. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So it's possible for you and I to experience and face God's correcting action. And in here he comes in fire with his wrath upon the unrepentant sinners. God will come and rebuke them in fire. Fire is mentioned here three times. And what does that show you? God's judgment will be quick and devastating. God will come in fire. Verse 16, For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment, and by sword with all flesh, by, by a sword, not only with the Israelites, notice what Isaiah is saying here. Not only the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, all flesh. And those slain by the Lord shall be many. Both uh, the Israelites who will reject the Messiah and Gentiles who refuse to repent and come to Christ by faith, God will come to them in fire and with the sword. That's why you and I, as believers, cannot be universalists. In religion, religious hypocrisy is always 
the danger, always the issue, you see. Notice verse 17. Those who sanctify and purify themselves to go into the gardens, following one in the midst, eating pig's flesh and abomination and mice shall come to an end together, declares the Lord. What's the problem in verse 17? These people are purifying themselves by their own works, by our own righteousness. Those who sanctify and purify themselves, even by eating pig's flesh and the abomination and mice, and they all, you know, Jews and Gentiles, who purify themselves by their own righteousness. Those who are going to play church. Those who are going to claim to be Christians. Those who are going to claim that they love God, they are worshiping the true and the living God, but deep inside their heart they hate God. They don't love Him. They are not worshiping Him truly and from the heart. And all their works will be an abomination in God's sight. God will come to them in fire. The one thing that God hates, beloved, is hypocrisy. The one thing that God hates is that you say you love God, but deep inside you, you don't love him. You hate him. You hate his word. It's very dangerous to play church, beloved. You know, I remember when my children were very young, the two of them. I remember them trying to imitate me. They come from church and one of them preaches, the other one sings, you know, the other one tried to do benediction, um, you know, they play church. They were kids. But all they were doing was singing and trying to do what I do from the pulpit. That's not what Isaiah is talking about here. What Isaiah is talking about here is these people, they will come to the temple and they tell everyone that they are believers, they are God's people. But they are far, far from God. Their heart and their mind is far, far from God. They are self-righteous. They purify themselves by their, by their own good works. They don't trust the Lord for justification, for sanctification. But they stand on their own righteousness. Those who claim to be Abraham's children, but they don't follow Abraham's example. They don't look forward to the Messiah and kiss him by faith. They hate him. And then they end up crucifying him. But they were playing the temple. Very dangerous. And Isaiah is saying, especially to those people, for those people God will come in fury to judge them 
Psalm 1, 6, the psalmist says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows the way of the, the wicked. Matthew 25, 46, And this will go away into eternal punishment, Jesus said, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, two destinies. God will judge. And there will be two destinies where people will end up, and one of them is hell. And then God's omniscience over all. Notice verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory first. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we see here that God is omniscient. God is saying, I know all of them. I know their minds and their thoughts. They think they are playing church. They think they are tricking me, but I know every one of them. The implication is, God is saying to us tonight, I know every one of you. I know your heart. I know your thoughts. I know what goes on in your mind and in your hearts, even when you hear my word. I know you. Nothing is hidden from me. Proverbs 21, to every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Psalm 44, 21, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Luke 16, 15, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. See, God, God is saying, I know you. I know you. You can hide things from the pastors, the elders, from one another, but you, you can't hide anything from me. I know you. And notice what God is showing us here. God is saying, I know all people. And I will gather all people from all the nations and from all tongues and languages and tribes. I will gather all of them, believers and unbelievers. They will stand before me for judgment. I will gather all of them. I remember one time, unbeliever talking to me, telling me, well, you know, if there would be a, a day of judgment, you know, God is going to deal with you believers, not with us. No, 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 no. All will be gathered for judgment. I don't know how he, um, how he came to that conclusion. But you see, God here is saying, all people, they will be gathered. I will gather all of them, believers and unbelievers. To face judgment and he will deal with, with them all. Uh, notice three important elements. Is, all will be gathered. 
All will see his glory. What does it mean? And all will see a sign. All of them. What sign? Well, let's start with, with the gathering. You know, no one is going to resist God not to be gathered and stand before the judgment. All will be gathered. I will do that, God is saying. I am the creator. I am the maker of heaven and earth. No one is going to resist against me. I will gather all of them. That's the first one. And then all will see my glory. For some, it would be terrifying because it would be God's glory for judgment. It would be his fury. It would be a sword, the sword of his word. The sword here, here is the word of God. But his people will see his glory, his majesty for salvation, for comfort, for restoration. And then all will see a sign. What sign? What sign? They will see, in, in essence, they will see the sign of the cross, the sign of the crucified Son of God. The scripture talks about that in Zechariah 12:10. When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. Those who loved him, those who confessed him, those who followed him, and those who pierced him, they will see him at the same time. They will see the glory of the Son of God, the Lamb of God who was slain. They will see him. God the Father will give them that sign. It would be a terrifying sign for unbelievers. That's why, beloved, the call of the gospel is so beautiful, so merciful. You don't want to see this sign, this terrifying sign, whom the Lord whom you have pierced, come to him in repentance and by faith. Revelation 1.7, Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. The person can be a believer, he can be unbeliever. Both of them will see the Son of God by their own eyes. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, John said. This is going to happen. This is coming. And then God said in verse 19 and 20, And I will set a sign among them. Now we all know what the sign is. And from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Paul, and Lud, who drove the bow to Tubal and Javan to the coastlands far away. You see, what Isaiah is showing us, people will be gathered from the end of the earth. The whole earth will be covered. People who have never 
being part of God's people will, will come, will be gathered. To the extent that, you know, you and I will say, where were these people? Where are they coming from? It, it would be an amazing day. Glorious day. But for some, for judgment and for some, for hope. And God said, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in leaders. Now let me ask you this. Who's going to bring who? Who's bringing who? The Jews bringing the Gentiles or the Gentiles bringing the Jews? What is Isaiah talking about here? This is what Isaiah is telling us. All of them will be brothers. All of them will be brothers. Jews will bring Gentiles. Gentiles will bring Jews. They all will uh, invite and, and, and call to God and to his worship. All of them together will worship God. The end of believers will be the worship of of the true and the living God. We will worship our God. In Ephesians 2, Paul reminds us that when Jesus died on the cross, he broke, he destroyed the dividing wall, the wall of hostility, and he made the two one, Paul said, in Christ Jesus. He made the two one. And then this is beautiful. This is amazing. Listen to this. And some of them also will take the priestess and the priestess and for Levites, says the Lord. You know, some of them will come, what? Servants of God. They will lead singing, the singing of God's people. Servants will come out of, out of these people who will gather to, to worship to worship God. They all will become priests of God. And that's First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a real priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out out of darkness into his marvelous light. We all will be priests of God. And then the promise. You know, the book ends with the promise in verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, all shall your offspring and your name remain. For new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Now he's reassuring his people about what he told them in the previous chapter. I'm going to make a new heaven and the new earth and you my people will live in that new heaven and earth forever. He finishes this book by reaffirming his promise for his people. Indeed, I will make for you a new heaven and new earth. 
And in that new heaven and new earth, my people from all nations, all tongues, and all tribes will be gathered to do what? To worship me. You know, I always tell you, that's the reason why we are in Clarkston, where all the nations are represented in need of the gospel, in need of this gathering in God's house for worship. In case if you wonder, why are we in Clarkston? What are we doing in Clarkston? That's exactly what we're doing while fulfilling this chapter. We want to become God's instrument to gather the nations, tongues and languages and tribes to gather in this place to worship God. And that would be what? The foretest of what is coming. The foretest of this. And then listen to the end of this book. And they shall go out and look. These are the, the elect. These are the, the, the remnant. And, and, and now notice what your portion in the new heaven and the new earth will be. What you will experience. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies. The dead bodies of who? The dead bodies of men who have rebelled against me, for their worm shall not die. Why do you think God will let you see the dead bodies of those who rebelled against God? Why do you think God would do that? He will do that to remind you from which you have been saved. It will be a reminder. It will be a reminder. You know, if you would have rejected the Messiah, this would be your destiny. This would be your end. This would have been your end. Look what happened to them. And Isaiah says, their worm shall not die. He's talking about eternal what? Suffering and punishment in hell. That's what he's talking about. They, they, will, they will die, but their worm shall not die. That's hell. What is going to happen for those who reject God to the end? Their pain and suffering will never come to an end. It will be eternal. Eternal punishment and pain in hell. And here I will see it. But we will see it as a reminder. You know, God telling us, you see, this is from which I saved you. I rescued you. This is their destiny, but your destiny is the new heaven and the new earth. Beloved, that's where we are heading. That's what is coming to us. And I hope this will be a great encouragement for us tonight.
by being in Christ Jesus, we will be in this place forever. All flesh will worship before me. All people will worship before me. In Exodus 6, 7, God gave his people this promise. And he's going to keep it till the end. Listen to the promise. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. He will keep this promise. Until he brings us to the new heaven and the new earth. Praise be to our God. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, how we bless your name for the book of Isaiah and all the things that we learned from this book, especially the good news of the gospel through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, your Son. Oh Lord, use this book to be a blessing to your people here at Redeemer and to the visitors who heard messages from the book of Isaiah from time to time. Use this book to change us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to increase our joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to turn us into faithful witnesses of your Son, Jesus Christ. We look forward to the new heaven and to the new earth where we will dwell with you, our God, forever. Thank you for the book of Isaiah. And Lord, we ask you to use this book in the life of each and every one of us for spiritual growth and for sanctification. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.